listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. These next three days, we're going to take a topic each day. We're dealing with these relationships. And it's going to be very important because this is an area where many, many people struggle. So listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're single. doesn't matter if you're married. doesn't matter it, it, because it's not limited to a marriage relationship. It's not limited to that. It's, it's also basically how you'll function in any relationship in life. I don't care if it's you and your children. I don't care if it's you and your boss. I don't care if it's you and your spouse you and your fiance, boyfriend, whoever, it doesn't matter because it's so very important that you get these principles down and into your spirit because this is one of the major, major areas where people fail and God doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to have successful relationships. And we're going to go through the word of God and talk about the three most vital areas that's what each of these three days uh, is about. The three most vital areas to be extremely <laughs> successful in relationships of any kind. Christian just tuned in and saw Auntie Carolyn. There she is in all of her glory. She's joined me on the broadcast live today, Christian, uh, and I'm glad she's here. So we're going to go through that. I want to just say uh, a couple of things right up front. Number one, um, we've got a, a kid's summer project that is out for the children. This is awesome and it's tons of fun. The Summer Adventure Project for your kids. Uh, All you gotta do if you wanna get involved is go to miraclewordkids.com forward slash summer. Forward slash summer. And uh, we got a fun project for the kids. There's already kids involved in doing it. We want you to jump on. So if you have kids, if you have grandkids, uh, go to the website and check it out and get involved with us. We're having fun. Uh, I got another cool announcement for tomorrow. I'm going to keep it for tomorrow, but you're not going to want to miss it. It's a big one. It's a very, very big one. And uh, I'm excited to share it with you. Is there anything else I'm missing before we go? I think we got everything. Oh yeah. Brand new kids video in Bible study that from last week. And we've been out, but this has been awesome on the, on the fruit of the spirit. Uh, Alex and Maddie been killing it on the fruit of the spirit, uh, teaching what we call the personality traits of Jesus Christ, the personality traits of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the spirit. And, uh, if you have not gotten in, involved in this, get our app. We have, let me just say this, all of our television broadcasts that are going around the world. This is the exclusive place to watch these broadcasts. All of the miracle word kids stuff is locked into one place for your binge watch ability. Uh, and we got so much more content coming. That's uh, on the app. And so don't miss it. If you've not downloaded the app, go to your app store, whether that's Google play or Apple and search miracle word and download the free app. You'll get everything and it's free. Uh, and let me just tell you, you're going to enjoy it. Letty said, why would you do that? Now you got us thinking what the announcement is. Just tell us, tell us. I know you're going to have to come back tomorrow. It's very important that you come back tomorrow because it is an awesome and Really fun announcement for those that are going to be with us for this. Don't you think so? Yes, Dad, it's going to be amazing. Okay, let's jump in. Three things over the next three days 
that we're going to go over, it's going to help you immensely. If you haven't taken a minute to share the broadcast, it helps us out a lot when you do, gets the word out. So if you don't mind, share it. Uh, It's not clickbait, Denise. We're going over it. And Carolyn will be again with us tomorrow and Wednesday. Um, (laughs) Kelsey said, Letty, you love waiting. Come on. Um, We're jumping in. So as I said, each day we're going to cover a very, very big portion of this. Good morning, Ashley. That is so very important because if, and it's like a three-legged stool, right? Look at Carolyn. She said, hopefully. Carolyn, did you see how beautiful you look? She just logged on. Look how beautiful. Thank you, Ted. You're handsome as well. I'm so glad you're here in spirit. She's haunting the broadcast. Um, It's like a three-legged stool, right? So if you have a three-legged stool and you take any one of those legs out, it collapses. And so that's what this, this is like. It's, it's, uh, if you miss any one of these things in relationships, your relationships will not function the way that they should function. And so it's important that, uh, we cover these individually and we take time on each one because each one will matter in a massive way. And I want you to, I want you to understand that today we're going to deal with the first one. Carolyn's going to be with me tomorrow to deal with the second one and with me Wednesday to deal with the third one. And, um, I'm sure we'll put this into, I know we'll have it as a playlist on the app, but it'll also probably be some sort of a, uh, a content piece that you'll be able to take home, whether that be a USB drive or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll put this out for people because it is that important. Um, before we jump in, Christian said, you need to do an entire podcast in your Carolyn voice. I don't think anybody would listen. Um, <laughs> and so, um, we're going to, we're going to deal with this today is part one on this. And, and I want to deal with this. So put it in all caps. This is your heading really for today. And we'll dive deep into these. Uh, I'm going to kind of give you the overview of the week right now of how we're going to go and what direction we're going to go. And then each day we're going to go deep because I've got some tips that will really, really help you from the word of God on each one of these. But today, and I'll give you the three so that you're not waiting to hear them. You'll be able to get them into your, your spirit. Number one, today we're dealing with know your God. So that's number one. Uh, and it's today's focus. And I'm going to explain to you why it's so important in relationships to have this foundation. Number one is know your God. Number two, which we're dealing with tomorrow with Carolyn, will be know yourself. This is huge. I can't even, you'll see tomorrow when we, when we get into this, you'll understand why it's so massive in relationships. And then finally on Wednesday, the third part of this is, uh, however you want to call it, know the other, know your spouse, know your child, know your boss, whatever it might be, who the other person is in the relationship. It's know your child, know your spouse, know your boss, whatever, know your fiance, know your boyfriend, know, know your girlfriend, whatever it is. Uh, whatever level or stage in relationship you're in, this is what you have to understand. So each of these three pieces is uh, a three-legged stool. So you take one of these out and you begin to destroy uh, the functionality of that relationship. And so we'll go deep. I'm going to give you tips that'll really, really help you and are proven to help. Not just for me, I'm talking about over the years have been proven to help and proven to uh, we'll look at the way that, that, that a strong relationship functions. We're going to actually break down why it functions well in these situations and why others are failing 
in these situations. You'll see it very clearly. But today is a foundational one because uh, as we deal with part one, know your God. Why is that so important? Why is it so important? Well, uh, the first thing above all is that you have to have, and obviously I'm addressing Christians (laughs) because obviously somebody that's not saved is not going to have a, a relationship with Jesus or, you know, a relationship with God, the father. So obviously I'm addressing Christians. Um, and so the first step really would be get saved. If you're already saved, then the rest is for you. There's my friend, Frank Cashman. Love you. So know your God is the foundational level because the other two don't matter really, if you don't have this as a foundation. Um, and, and really what I want to dive deep in today is talking about the importance of knowing who you are in Christ. This is huge. Knowing who you are in Christ is the very first level and step in cultivating any successful relationship. Doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter what relationship it is. Spouse, child, boss, you know, pastor, whatever. Know your God. And I see Glenn Karam's on uh, when, I, when he and I were doing a, a camp in New England, uh, we had a whole year that this was the theme that we talked about in the importance of knowing your God. They that know their God will be strengthened and will do exploits, Daniel eleven thirty two, 32. Um, and so uh, it's important. So what are we talking about? The, the knowing, the identity in Christ. If you don't have this down, you will suffer in any relationship because as a Christian, this is the source of everything that you are and all that you become in the kingdom of God, knowing who you are in Christ. It actually is, uh, surprising to me. This is kind of, uh, it it really, if you want to be serious about this subject, it's the foundation of anything you do in the kingdom of God, anything, not just relationships, anything. And as I travel, I am surprised at how many people um, don't understand uh, what we would call as preachers, Pauline revelation or the revelation that Paul the apostle got in the Bible of who a Christian is in Christ. I'm surprised at how many Christians have never been taught this. They've never even heard about it. And um, when they're told about it, it gets them all excited and stirred up as it should because it is so foundational. But you begin to realize that as a Christian, my life is identified with Christ. So we take verses in the New Testament that Paul wrote, right? That Karen's, see, Karen said, I've never heard of this. Uh, We take verses that Paul wrote throughout the New Testament, and you can see verbiage that Paul used to identify every Christian with Jesus. So phrases like, in him, in whom, in Christ, um, you start to see these verses and you start, you, you read Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, you read all of Paul's epistles and you start to see Paul talking about, uh, the fact that we're in Christ, the fact that we're in him, uh, or in whom, if it's talking about something that Christ did and that we are inside of Jesus inside the body. And so because we are what he is, we are, I want you to write that in the comments section what he is, meaning Jesus, we are. What he is, we are. 
And so you start to see things uh, like, for example, I'll read to you a very famous passage, Galatians chapter two and verse number 20. Catch this. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. So there's one of those phrases with Christ in him, in Christ, with him, with whom. So Paul's identifying with Christ. So let let me explain to you what I mean by that. I have been crucified with Christ. So let me ask you a question. Was Paul the apostle there on the day of crucifixion? Was he there on that Passover? No, Paul was not standing at the, Paul was not only not standing at the cross, he wasn't up on a cross with Jesus, nor was he on Jesus cross. So what, what does he mean here? What does Paul mean? If he says, I have been crucified with Christ because he wasn't there. He wasn't on a cross. Paul's hands and feet were not pierced with nails. So he's obviously not speaking literally. Obviously, Paul is speaking figuratively. I have been crucified with Christ. Let's read the whole verse. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith or I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay. So let me go back to verse 19. Actually, I'll read to you the the, the context here of the thought 17 through 20. Listen to what Paul says here to the Galatians. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove to be a transgressor for though, or excuse me, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. Then he reads, and then 20 is the next thing. And it finishes with this. I don't nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So what is he explaining to the Galatian church? We're not saved because of the law. We're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? So I don't identify with the law, the Old Testament law. I identify with what Jesus did in his act of redemption. And it's not through keeping the Old Testament Jewish laws that I'm justified and saved. It's through accepting the sacrifice of Christ by faith. And Ephesians tell us, tells us it's by grace through faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part by grace. I don't know if we're going to be able to stay serious. If we cut back to that shot, I just, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. Uh, by grace, you can just come back to me. Cause I don't think I want to be able to do it. Uh, by grace, <laughs> Jesus was sent. We couldn't force Jesus to be sent. God chose to send Jesus and there's nothing we could do to force God to send Jesus. It was by his own grace. So by grace, Jesus was sent. But then once he uh, finished or completed his act of redemption, it is now by faith that we receive what he did. And because we receive what he did, 
we now uh, can be a part of the family of God. But here's the thing is Paul is saying figuratively, I have been crucified with Christ. So what was Paul teaching? That when Jesus was crucified, I was crucified. And there are stages, right? There are stages to identification with Christ. All the stages Jesus went through. When he was crucified, I was crucified. Paul said that. When he died, I died. The old man, who I used to be, right? When he was buried, I was buried. When he was resurrected, I was resurrected. Thank you, Jesus. When he ascended, I ascended into heaven. And when he was seated on a throne, I was seated with him in heavenly places. Hallelujah. So I want you to catch this now. Catch those steps of identification. And here's how I want you to write them in the comments. Crucified. Died. Buried. Resurrected. Ascended. Seated. In fact, Tiff, could you put those, uh, type those six things in that way with commas so that they can see it? It's a lot to remember. Crucified. Okay. Crucified. Died. Buried. Resurrected. Ascended. Seated. Those six things define your identification with Christ. And it also defines your transition from old life, who you used to be, to new life in Christ. And each one of those stages is extremely powerful. So let's break, let's break the six down quickly. Crucified, right? When we were crucified with Christ, what does that mean? He's taking our sin nature. He's taking our flesh nature. He's taking all of the things that were wicked and far from God and crucifying them to the cross. And there it is in your comments section. So you can see all six stages there. Crucified, died, buried, resurrected, ascended, seated. So I want you to see it. We were crucified. Our flesh nature, our sins, our sickness, everything that Satan sent to destroy us, when Christ was crucified, we were crucified with him. That's identification with Christ. We, and Paul said it here, I was crucified or I have been crucified with Christ. Though we were not on the cross, we were because we were in him. So watch this now. We're crucified. Then we were dead. See, we killed, we mortified the old man, right? So when, re- when we read 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, what does the Bible say? If any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things have what? Passed away. Well, that's just a term for dying. It's just the polite way that we say somebody died. Oh, he passed away. She passed away. Yeah. Well, that's what it's saying. The old man has passed away. And now we are new people, new creations in Christ Jesus. So the second level of identification, we weren't just crucified and our sin nature crucified and our sickness crucified and all those things. Yes, that's there. But the most important thing is it died. It died. The old man is passed away and behold, all things have what? Become new. 
all things have become new, which takes us in to, uh, and I love this because when we get water baptized, right? Water baptism is a picture of what happens at this moment of salvation. It's like, it's a, it's a picture of burial. We're going under, we're being buried. We go under like Christ went under and was, was put in a tomb. But then when we come back up out, it's like a picture of resurrection. The old man went down, but the new man came up. Now, water baptism doesn't save you. It's just an outward uh, action that we take because Jesus commanded it uh, as a public confession of what Jesus did in our lives. So the old man goes down, is buried. But when you come up out of the water, you come up in resurrection, brand new. So it's, it's a pattern. You see, we're crucified with Christ. We are, uh, then we die. We die to the old man. We're buried. We go down under. The old man is gone forever. We come back up out of the water, resurrected with Christ. When he was raised, I was raised. Okay, let's go to Ephesians. When he was raised, we were raised. Hallelujah. This is a powerful revelation. If you can catch this in your spirit. When he was raised, we were raised. And I want you to put this scripture down. Um, we're going to um, read Ephesians chapter two, verses one through six. This is the reference. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through six. Powerful. You got to get a hold of this now. Listen, Paul writes this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're like, by children, or excuse me, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So let me stop there. That's verse through verse three. You see what Paul's saying? Every person was in sin. There's not anybody that was not in sin. Paul wrote that to the Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, it's like, uh, Isaiah, the prophet wrote, there's none righteous. No, not one. There's nobody born free from sin except Jesus. And so Paul said, we were all children of wrath. That's where we all started. But verse four, but God being rich in mercy. I, I laugh because I read that, but God. And I think what pastor Mike Hankins preached at his church, <laughs> pastor Mike Hankins preached when you see a, but God in the Bible. God's got big butts and he does not lie. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Mike preached that at his church. God's got big butts and he does not lie. And no, no, matter, no matter what the enemy has tried to plan for your life, what story uh, he tried to plan, if you see but God, it doesn't matter what the enemy planned. God had a plan that destroyed the devil's plan. God has a plan that destroyed the devil's plan. God's got big butts and he does not lie. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. What did he do? 
catch this now. Here's the part that'll get you shouting. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. There's that verbiage again, with Christ, with Christ, with Christ. He's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Now watch this. And raised us up with him. Stop right there. And raised us up with him. So which means when Jesus was raised, (laughs) we were raised. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When Jesus was raised, we were raised. Not just raised from the dead. But the Bible says 40 days after his resurrection and 10 days before Pentecost, he was with his disciples in Bethany. And the Bible says, as he was blessing them, he began to ascend into the clouds. He ascended into heaven. So he was raised. And when he was raised, we were raised. Catch this now. And not just raised. And raised us up with him and seated us. That's the last stage. Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) We were resurrected. We ascended and we are seated. We are all now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're not victims down here on the earth wondering how we're going to get help from heaven. We are literally seated where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. Come on. Look at this now. If I go back to chapter one, chapter one will get you shouting even more than this because it describes it all. Look at this. He's talking about the the believers in Ephesus. Um, He said, let me start in verse 18, Ephesians 1, 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Get ready to shout. If you're at work, shout and scare the person in the cubicle next to you. That he raised him from the dead and seated him at at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come and has put all things under his feet, glory to God, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if you recognize what one is saying, it gets even more exciting to understand chapter two, because if we're seated with him, that means that we're far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but that which is to come and put all things under our feet. So I want you to put this in the comments. Everything is under my feet. Everything is under my feet. Put it in the comments. Everything is under my feet. Thank you, Jesus. And and you say, well, how's this tying into relationships? You just wait. I'm going to show you. Because here's the powerful thing. 
when you start to realize everything is under your feet, then there's nothing that's uncontrollable. There's nothing that cannot be changed. I want you to see it now. These are huge when it comes to relationships. There's nothing that's uncontrollable. There's nothing that cannot be changed. See, we'll say, well, I, I've always had an issue with relationships because of this. I've always had an issue with relationships because of that. And you can come up and fill anything in the blanks that you want to fill in, but know this and be encouraged by this, that because you've identified with Christ and because you're seated in heavenly places, far above every name that's named and all things are under your feet, there's nothing that's uncontrollable and there's nothing that cannot be changed. So you say, well, I always suffer in relationships because of this or that. Doesn't matter. Because of your identification with Christ, you can succeed in any situation. So let me encourage you with a thought here. The baseline of this three-legged stool being know your God. Again, that's where we are today. It's what we're teaching on. Know your God is part one. There's no use knowing yourself. There's no use knowing the other person in the relationship and understanding them and understanding you and all that. If you don't know your God first, you've got to have a foundation upon which all of these other things lie. Because if the foundation's not there, the building crumbles. If the foundation's not there, the building crumbles. You know, it's a very, very sad thing happened. Uh, if you didn't know recently here in South Florida, maybe many of you saw it on the news. They had that uh, building collapse, the sinkhole basically swallowed that building up with people inside it. Very, very sad. They were able to rescue some of the people, uh, others they never did get a chance to find them. And when that happened, it made me think of uh, the portion of scripture that talks about building your house on the sand versus building your house on the rock. And it was just, when you see uh, how quickly that building was just swallowed up, because of that, it makes you realize what the scripture is talking about, where um, if you build your house on the sand, it's a faulty foundation. It's a faulty foundation. And so as a result, you can never be stable in anything because you've got a faulty foundation. Don't build your house on the sand, but build your house on the rock, which is Christ. Build your house on the rock, which is Christ. You know, one of the things that's really interesting is that if you'll make this the baseline of all relationships that you build, then what ends up happening is you're stable before a relationship. That's huge. Let me, let me say that again. You are stable before a relationship. Why? You've built your house on a rock and not on the sand. Because sands will shift, sands will move, your foundation will crack, your building will crumble. But if you will build on the rock, which is Christ and his word, then before a relationship, you will be solid. You'll be solid. And, and here's where we, we start to get into problems. You won't need to get into a relationship to fill a void that's there because you don't have a Christ relationship. And uh, we were discussing this a little bit ahead of time before we started the, the broadcast today. And um, 
it's a great point that what happens sometimes is we make other people what God should be in our lives. In fact, I want you to write it in the comments this way. Don't make other people what God should be to you. Don't make other people what God should be to you. It's huge and very, very vital that we get it. Because here's what happens. There's a void. We feel a void. We notice a void. And so instead of filling it with the power of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of God, what do we do? We try to fill it with other people in relationships. And you know what ends up happening sometimes is that those relationships become unhealthy relationships. And I'm sure every person that's uh, watching me or listening to me on the podcast knows what I'm talking about, that if you see a relationship that was created out of an unhealthy need, then it becomes an unhealthy relationship, right? I'm going to say that again so that I don't gloss over it. If you ever see a relationship that was formed out of an unhealthy need, it becomes an unhealthy relationship. Once again, so that it gets in your spirit. If you see an, a relationship that was formed from an unhealthy need, it becomes an unhealthy relationship. So again, it's trying to make other people what God should be to you. So let me give you an example. Um, I don't depend on Carolyn or my kids for my joy. That would be a dangerous thing if my joy was based on what Carolyn did. Now, that's not to say Carolyn doesn't make me happy or my children don't make me happy or whatever you want to say, put it in there. Uh, not to say they don't make me happy because they do, but happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness, I'm talking about in the Christian world, happiness is something that may be event-based. It might be momentary. It might be a feeling, it's feeling-based. Whereas joy is something that flows from the spirit of God. That's why the Bible talks about things like the joy of the Lord. See, the joy of the Lord is different than a feeling or an emotion. It is something that comes from the presence of God. That's why the Bible tells us in his presence is fullness of joy. Why? Because the fullness of joy comes out of your connection with God, not from a person, not from an event, not from more money, not none of those things. And so joy and happiness, I don't treat them the same. It's not to say Carolyn and the children don't make me happy. Yes, of course they do. But if my joy was based on them, then what would happen if Carolyn just had an, forget an off day. What if she had an off week? What if she had an off month? What if she had an off year? And she doesn't, but you know, let's just say she was an emotional roller coaster and had an off year. Is my joy going to suffer for a whole year because Carolyn was not my joy or my children were not my joy or whatever it be? No, no, because my joy is not based upon a relationship with a person. It's based on a relationship 
with Christ. And so when we're teaching you, uh, don't make other people what God is supposed to be to you. The danger of doing that is that if the person fails, that aspect of your life fails. Let me say that again. The danger of making people what God should be, if the person fails you, that aspect of your life will fail you. So if somebody's not loving to you, then you're missing love. If somebody's not joyful, you're missing joy. If somebody's not peaceful, if you have a husband or a wife or a fiance or a boss or a ch- that's always in anxiety, always freaking out, always panicked, always pan- then that's how your life is going to be because you based your peace on somebody else's peace. You based your peace and the ability not to worry and all of that on where somebody else is at in their life. Mistake. Because people change constantly, God never changes. God never changes. So my peace is not going to be based on someone else's peace or them walking peacefully toward me. Do you realize that as a Christian, it is possible to have a boss who mistreats you and still walk in peace? Let me me break this down. It's going to freak people out. As a Christian, it's possible to have a coworker or a boss or someone in your church or a husband or wife that mistreats you and still have peace. That freaks people out, but it's true because again, my peace is not based upon how my boss treats me. It's not based upon how my coworkers interact with me. I could have every coworker in an office, hate my guts and still leave whistling at the end of the day, headed to my car in pure joy and pure peace because my peace and joy isn't based on my coworkers. It's not based on my boss. It's not based on anybody, but Christ to whom I'm connected. You see that? It's based upon Christ to whom we're connected in Christ, in him, in whom, with him. That verbiage, as you read through the New Testament, is so important. That new creation reality that you get out of the New Testament scriptures is so vital because it changes everything about who you are. You're not, as Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But now it's not me living, it's Christ living in me. That's the difference. It's not me living, it's Christ living in me. It's not me living, it's Christ living. That's why the fruit of the Spirit come from being empowered by the Spirit. Because if you're not empowered by the Spirit, good luck walking in love in your flesh. (laughs) Good luck walking in joy in your flesh. Good luck being peaceful with other people in your flesh. It ain't going to happen. Let me explain to you why I know that. Because the Bible says, uh, Galatians 5, this is before the fruit of the Spirit are listed. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice that's a, 
it's, it's, a contingent, it's a contingency. If you don't walk by the spirit, you will gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what's Paul teaching the the Christians in Galatia? You're going to have a war inside you all the time. Wanting to do what's pleasing to God, spirit. Wanting to do what's pleasing to your flesh, carnality. Spirituality and carnality fight against each other every day. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care if you've been saved 40 years. If you still got flesh, you've still got carnality. It still fights against the spirit. And it's so strong. It's so strong that Paul, the apostle actually told the Corinthian believers that he had to crucify his flesh every day, every day. First Corinthians nine and verse 27. First Corinthians nine and verse 27, Paul said, I put my body under on a daily basis. (laughs) And if that's the apostle Paul who wrote all that scripture and established all those churches and became one of God's main men to launch the church, then, you know, if he had to do it, we have to do it. I'm dealing with relationships that don't make you want to smack somebody. That's what we're talking about. Because here's the thing. If you stay in the flesh, you will want to smack somebody. There's always going to be somebody that tries to mistreat you, that comes against you, that does something that, uh, that goes against, rubs your flesh the wrong way. And if you don't have this identity with Christ locked in, you'll miss it. If you're not locked in, you'll miss it. So what are we? We're crucified. We died, buried. We are resurrected. We ascended and now we're seated in heavenly places. So what are we teaching you? That if you understand and and identify with the fact I'm now seated above all principalities, all powers, every rule, all names, every name that's listed, not only in this world, but that which is to come and all things are under my feet. If all things are under your feet, that means that there's nothing that can control you from the natural world. Meaning there's no demon spirit that can come in and just wreck you. There's no natural thing that can just wreck you. You've got control by the Holy Spirit over everything that would destroy potential relationships or current relationships. And so what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the fact um, that if we don't set a foundational baseline, right? If we miss the foundational baseline, then what's the use of like knowing your natural self tendencies, personality? What's the use of knowing the person that you're in relationship with, their tendencies, their natural self? None of that stuff matters because at that point it all becomes self-help. Any sinner could try to employ those things, but look at that. How many relationships in the world still end in divorce? Is it two out of three? Can you check for me on Google? I don't even know. I haven't looked at that statistic. But I mean, how many relationships, how many marriages end in divorce? I don't know. We're going to get the statistic right now from Google because Google apparently is always right. 
but you know, you start to realize if they really knew what they were doing, if everybody just knew what they were doing, we wouldn't have any of those. Be fine. It'd be absolutely fine. This is about half. One in two. One in two. So if if everything, if you could just figure it out in the flesh, then explain to me why we still have this statistic that one in two are ending in failure. That's not the desire of God. And so we got to figure it out. And we have to, and it's not that there's not divorce in the church. Of course there is. We got to figure it out. What does the word of God say? How do we build a foundation so these things don't happen? We don't just, and here's, here's the other thing too, which we are going to deal with in depth as Carolyn joins me tomorrow on Wednesday. We don't just want to have a relationship that survives. Well, we survived divorce. You know, we never ended up getting to that point. Great. We don't want just a relationship that survives. We want one that thrives. That's the key. We want one that thrives. And in any relationship, not just marriage, I want a relationship with my children that thrives. I want a relationship with my uh, boss, with my coworkers, with my church family that thrives, not just survives. Anybody else having a problem with the broadcast going in and out today? Bonnie says going in and out. Anybody else on Facebook have that happening or just Bonnie? She might, she might still have a dial up modem at her house. I don't know. Remember those that sounded like screaming when you had to connect to the internet? (laughs) Carol said, me too. Yes. So Facebook's having problems, but not on YouTube. Oh, Carol said no. So I don't know. If you have an issue, switch over to YouTube. Um, We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. Uh, I want, I want you to, um, I want you to put this in the comments. We don't just want to survive. We want to thrive. We don't just want to survive. We want to thrive. That's an important fact. And I I want you to put it in the comments because people think they've, they've like won a victory if they went 40 years without getting divorced. What if you, what if you lived 50 years with a person in marriage and hated it the whole time and hated them? And you know, we stayed together for the kids, but we were all, I mean, they were ready to put the gloves on at any, uh, any moment of the day. It's not what you want. Who wants that? It's not God's best. It's not even God's desire. So we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. We want to thrive. And so the, the key, the key is knowing first who you are in Christ. Got to know who you are in Christ. And we've got to live from that place, right? So our, our, our actions are defined by our identity. Man, this is going to be good because I'm going to show you something that this will help you hugely. I don't even know if that's a word, but hugely. Catch this now. Tiffany recommended a book to me called Atomic Habits. I read the book. Um, amazing. She was right on. Great recommendation. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Uh, James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. But one of the things that blew my mind in the book, Atomic Habits, because what people always want to know, well, how do you create good habits? How do you break bad habits? How do you live that way? How do you can make it a lifestyle? Whatever. One of the things they reported in the book was that when studying people who wanted to, so for, say, for example, quit smoking, 
right? That's something that a lot of people try to do. Well, I'm, I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. They've been trying to quit for 15 years. They've attempted quitting 17 times, right? So when they were studying these people that were breaking those habits, the main difference, now this, this ties in exactly to what we're talking about right now and today. When they examined the people that successfully quit smoking versus those who could not break the habit even though they were trying, do you know what they found was the major difference between the two people? The people who successfully quit smoking changed their identity. And I don't mean they went down to the DMV and got a different passport and changed their name. I mean they changed their whole identity in their mind. What do I mean by that? This was the response between the two different types of people. If uh, the author was James Clear, just like it sounds, if both of those people were offered a cigarette, right? The people who couldn't quit smoking would respond this way. No, thanks. I'm trying to quit. See the mentality? I'm a smoker, but I'm trying to quit. I'm a smoker, but I'm trying to quit. Those who successfully changed their life, quit smoking. You know what their response was? No, thanks. I'm not a smoker. You see the difference? Changed their whole identity. I used to be, but that's not no longer who I am. No, thanks. I'm not a smoker. And even if it's somebody like, yeah, you used to smoke three weeks ago. I'm not a smoker anymore. They changed their identity. I'm trying to quit. I'm not a smoker. Big difference. One, that's why I don't agree with these groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, who 40 years later, after you stop drinking, you're still going to, you know, going to meetings and saying, hey, my name's Ted and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Hi, Ted. It's like, how long are you going to be recovering to the point where you're fully free? That's why, that's why I don't agree with that. It's not the Bible way. It's not what, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Not trying to get free, not a recovering person getting free. I'm free. I'm free. And that's the key. It's an identity change. Not the same person. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 is all about. If any man be in Christ, he is. He's not going to be. He is a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. The difference is the identity change. And that's the difference what we're talking about. We, we're not who we used to be. And so we don't even identify with who we used to be. You know what? You know the kind of stuff that I change in, in, your, in your verbiage? This is what I would change. Anything that was negative naturally, even in your family, change that because your identity changed. Don't ever, if you're a Christian now, and you're listening to this as the victory tribe, don't say, well, you know, pray for me. Cancer runs in my family. Stop declaring that. You're a new creature. I tell people you've started a new family tree. Maybe nobody before you served the Lord. And that's not me ignoring science or saying, well, those things don't exist. I'm not, that's none of that. It's by faith. I'm declaring my identity change. I now have a redeemer who's my healer. I don't go around saying, well, cancer runs in my family. 
No, I don't declare that. You know what I'm, you know what I say because of my identity change? Healing runs in my family. You know what? Healing and health runs in my family. Hallelujah. Mental clarity runs in my family. Genius runs in my family. Well, nobody in our family's ever been that smart. Nobody in my family's ever gone to college. Stop saying that. Wisdom runs in my family. Mental clarity, peace and joy run in my family. You know, we have one of the most peaceful families because peace runs in my family in Jesus' name. If you haven't experienced it yet, get ready. You're moving to that. Change the whole identity. That's not a new age principle. That's a Bible principle. That's a Bible principle. Let me show you that it's a Bible principle. Uh, Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul knew that this was a, a spiritual principle. If Paul saw people get saved and then on top of the fact that they got saved, they, they didn't live in a way that was consistent with their new identity, Paul would rebuke them. Paul would rebuke them. And I'm going to show you that here, and I'm going to show you the distinction he makes, because it's interesting. 1 Corinthians 3, I'm going to read you 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses one through four, listen to how Paul talks to them. But I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for you're still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? Woo! One translation, you know what it says? Are you not acting like mere men? As as if to suggest, after you get saved, you're not a mere human anymore. Go to verse four. For when one says, I follow Paul, And another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? Woo! What's he saying? He's saying that once you get saved, you're not just merely human anymore. In fact, if you want to know the truth about it, let's let's talk about uh, what the actual definition of an alien is. Can you put it in the comments, Tiff? The, the Webster definition of alien. I want you to catch this because I want you to see yourself in a different light and I want your identity to change. Alien. Anybody can put it in. I don't care. I mean, Tiffany's putting it in right now so that everybody has it on every platform. But if you want to look it up for yourself, you can. <clears throat> Ooh, I, li- I like that. Yeah, put, put it at the bottom one. They're both the same thing, but that's more uh, pronounced. Look at that. Listen to this. A foreigner, 
especially one who is not a naturalized citizen of the country where they are living. Something that's alien. Have you ever heard somebody use it in this context where they say, well, that idea is, it's, it's an alien idea. It's alien to me. That means it's foreign to you. It's, it's, not, a, a, it's not something that is um, familiar to you. Alien, a foreigner. If you want to truly identify what an alien is, listen to Sean posted this. Belonging or relating to another person, place, or thing. Strange, an alien environment. Relating, belonging, or owning allegiance to another country or government. Foreign residents, exotic, and uh, basically from another place. Once you recognize this, that what Paul is saying is, you're not merely human beings anymore. Why? Because the moment you get saved, you get remade into a new creation. And your home is no longer earth. Your home is heaven. We're like foreigners in this land. That's why the Bible says that we're supposed to occupy. That's a military term. That's a military term. It's the same as if uh, one country defeated another country and then left their troops behind to ensure that the country continued to follow the agenda of the victorious nation in the defeated nation. Why are my troops occupying the nation? I'm ensuring that they are following the agenda. And so you got to realize that once we get saved, that's Sean said, that's exactly right, Sean. That's how we become ambassadors of Christ because an ambassador moves from their home nation to live in a foreign nation. For what purpose? To uh, propagate the thoughts, ideas, and agenda of the home nation in the foreign nation. When you go to the uh, to see the ambassador who may be speaking to the president, maybe be speaking to the, the, the local government or the, the national government, why? Why are we doing that? Because we want our nation's agenda to be propagated in the foreign nation's uh, boundaries. That's what we're doing here. What did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We lay our hands on the sick and they recover. Why is that? Because we're taking heaven's agenda and as ambassadors propagating it here on the earth because of the fact we're not from here. Not anymore. Our home is heaven. I'm leaving here and heaven will be my home. Heaven will be my home. So I want you to see this now. Your identity changes. I want you to put it in the comments. My identity has changed. And this will change every relationship that you have. It'll change every relationship you have. When you recognize your identity has changed. Because it has. Guess what? The things that used to bind you don't have to bind you anymore. The things that used to hinder you don't have to hinder you anymore. The things that used to keep you from being fully engaged in a relationship, they don't have to keep you anymore because you've built a foundation based on a new identity in Christ, in him. (laughs) I love what uh, Bishop David Oyedepo preaches. He says this, if it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass Jesus me.
Think of that. If it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass me. And he, he jokes about it when he's preaching. He'll say, can you imagine Jesus walking around the earth, not being able to get victory over cancer in his own body? He means, can you imagine Jesus walking around the earth, not being able to get victory over depression and anxiety? Can you, can you imagine Jesus fumbling through the earth and not being able to make it to his meetings because he couldn't seem to get victory over these, these, uh, these mental problems, physical problems, financial problems. No, I can't imagine it. Then he said this, which made me laugh. He said, can you imagine Jesus struggling to hold his marriage together? Obviously we know Jesus wasn't married, but can you imagine if he was married? Can you imagine Jesus struggling to try to hold his marriage together? Well, Jesus just can't keep a wife. He just can't stay married. No, I can't imagine Jesus because he was love, he was peace, he was joy. Can't imagine Jesus having a hard time having a successful marriage, no. And in one sense, Jesus is married because the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. He's not unfaithful to his church. He's always here for his church. He gives joy to his church. He provides for his church. He cares for his, all those things. Jesus doesn't struggle to try to keep our relationship together. This is a thought you got to get. Jesus doesn't struggle trying to keep this relationship together. He doesn't struggle to be the head of the church. He doesn't struggle to provide for his children. He doesn't struggle to heal their body. He doesn't struggle to give them peace. He doesn't struggle to bring them a deliverance. He doesn't struggle. And if it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass you. Why? Because you're in him. Again, we go back to this verbiage in him, in Christ, in whom, with him, we are the body of Christ. And if it can't harass him, it can't harass you. You got to live that way with an identity change. Well, you say, well, if that's the case for Christians, then how come so many Christians are struggling? They're struggling because they don't change their identity. You have to do it. Just because your inner man is changed doesn't mean your outer man's changed. That's why Paul wrote all of these letters like I'm reading you back to the Galatians, back to the Colossians, back to the Thessalonians, back to the Corinthians. What's he doing? He's giving them uh, sometimes rebukes, but many times instruction on what to do. The Romans, he said, so now that you're saved, now that sin is no longer has dominion over you, should we continue on in sin? No, absolutely not. So what's he doing? Instructing them how to conduct the outer man now that the inner man is changed, right? He's, he's showing them how to conduct the outer man now that the inner man is changed. And so you have to, you have to change your own identity, renew your mind with the washing of water by the word, the washing of water by the word. Sean says, uh, brother Jesse Duplantis says, my name is Jesse Duplantis Christ. <laughs> Christ just means the anointed one. You understand? We have to change our identity. And many Christians struggle because they don't change their identity. They continue living like the old man 
even though they're a new man. Whoo! Watch this now. Let me give you this before we pray, because this is going to help you big time. If you don't change your identity, let me say this. This is one of the main reasons I see people falling back into their old life after they get saved at the altar. Because they don't get properly discipled and proper discipleship includes showing someone how to change their identity in Christ. Proper discipleship shows you that. Discipleship is just you taking on the disciplines of your master. The disciplines of your master. So those disciplines will help you to stand in the truth of the new identity. But I see many people falling back into sin. And you know why they're falling back into sin? Is because of the fact they didn't change their identity. So what does that mean? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, if I get saved, you know, we used to say it like this, you know, growing up in Pentecostal church, you know, uh, I don't, I don't go to the same places I used to go. I don't watch the same things I used to watch. I don't listen to the same things I used to listen. I don't hang with the same people I used to hang with. And we used to very, very briefly and simply preach it that way. But you know what it means? Because of my identity change, I don't keep the same company I used to keep. I'm not still going to clubs every Saturday night. I'm not, not that I ever did. I'm just saying a, a person that gets saved. I never, there were no clubs in West Virginia, to be honest with you, growing up. Uh, but you know, I'm not still going to hang at the bar on a Friday night and drink, drink, get drunk with my friends. I'm not still going out on the weekend and getting high. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing all that stuff. That's not who I am. And so you go through all these different things. Well, why aren't you doing those things anymore? My identity's changed. It's a different identity now. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. Can you put that last thing in the, in the comment section? I'm not that person anymore. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, Sean's saying, I like, I love your what's next program. That's, that's the program that we designed so that we could disciple people, not just get them saved, disciple them. We created a free discipleship program so that no matter who's watching on television around the world, because we're in 180 plus nations of the world weekly preaching the gospel, no matter who gets saved on the broadcast, they can immediately get discipled. There it is. What's next? Digital discipleship, miracleword.com forward slash next. We created teaching videos by topic that will disciple people and strengthen them. I'm not that person anymore. And so we, we take you step by step because you can't operate in a relationship as the old person, you'll fail. You gotta operate in the relationship as the new person to succeed. And I see everybody's writing it in the comments. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. And you're not. You're a new creation. The old life is gone. And behold, a new life has begun. This is powerful stuff, man. This will change your whole life. Change your whole life. It'll turn everything around. Turns everything around. Turns everything around. Diane, she said in all caps, she knows it. I'm not that person anymore. And that's exactly right. And so this baseline today that we're teaching, tomorrow and Wednesday, we're going to have Carolyn here. We're going to go over the, the final two things that are so vital, but you can't do them without this. You can't do them without this. And you don't want to miss tomorrow and you don't want to miss Wednesday because these are going to be life-changing. 
You can't do them without the foundation of changing your identity and knowing who you are in Christ. Cannot do it. You know, you know how much easier some people's marriages would be if their husband or their wife would just get saved? Do you know there's Christian women and Christian men that got saved after they were married, but they're still believing for their spouse's salvation? Well, you know how easy it's going to be to start bringing these things into synchronization once the other half gets married? Why? Your identity changes. Your identity changes. You see it. And so it's so vital. And and I know there might be people watching today that you're like, you know what? I've dealt with this. And listen, every Christian, I don't want to try to make you feel like you're the only one. Hear me. Every Christian has to make these decisions to change their identity. There is no Christian on the earth that gets saved and is automatically just fully sanctified to the place where they don't need to work on anything in their flesh. Nobody. Nobody. Now you, you, you get made righteous, right? But you still have to take actions of holiness. They're two different things. And so we teach on that, by the way, in the what's next series. And if you've not gotten a chance to go through it, it's free. Go, go check it out. It'll, it'll really bless you. But you've got to take those actions and every Christian has to take them. Every Christian has to have an identity change and make the outward synchronize with the inward or else you start failing as a Christian and you're doing things that are displeasing to God. So what do we do? We've got to make a decision to number one, I identify this. If here's your actionable steps, by the way, here at the end of this broadcast, before we pray, giving you the actionable steps. Number one, first we identify the issue. You can't deal with a problem you don't know exists. So we identify it though. I'm saved. I still have inclinations that are displeasing to God. So what do I do? I bring those into a place of subjection like Paul did and make them obey Christ and his word. Don't be in denial, be introspective. (laughs) That's a huge difference. Don't be in denial, be introspective, always looking. What about my life? Am I doing what's pleasing to God? Am I taking the actions? All those things. And once you identify it, watch now, you bring it actively daily into subjection. Did you know that the Bible even teaches Paul taught? We can even bring every thought into captivity and make it obey Jesus Christ. People say, well, I can't control my thoughts. No, it's true. There There can be thoughts that pop into your head, but you can dwell, you can choose whether you dwell on them or not right? So the Bible teaches, we take every thought into captivity, making it a prisoner and making it obey Jesus Christ. So you can't do it without identifying. And once you identify it, you take action, you obey the word of God. You say, well, how do I get my flesh to obey the word of God? There are two things that keep you in a place where you obey this word and stay in your new identity. You know what they are? Here's your two actionable steps. Number one, you pray. You pray on a daily basis. What did David say? Or excuse me, not David. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, watch and pray for the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, true, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. Matthew 26 and verse 40 and 41. 
What's he teaching? He's saying to them, if you don't pray, or as Bishop, Bishop Oedepo makes it a very succinct phrase, if you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. If you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. So prayer. The second thing that keeps you in this place of your identity is continually filling yourself with the word of God daily. David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. So the two things that keep you free are what? Prayer and the word of God. Prayer and the word of God daily, every single day. When you keep that in you, then you begin to curb the flesh and walk in your new nature, walk in your new identity so that you're not only pleasing to God, but watch this as you do it, every relationship in your life begins to flourish. I want to pray for those of you that are watching today. It's so important that God not only opens the eyes of your understanding, but strengthens you supernaturally to walk in this new identity and not be mere humans. As Paul said, don't be a mere human after you get saved, be a supernatural being, be a supernatural being. Father, I pray for every Victory Tribe member that's watching right now. I pray in Jesus' name that number one, you'd open the eyes of their understanding to your word, but also to their own lives. The introspective nature that is supernatural, not just natural, put your finger on things in their lives that need to be adjusted. Put your conviction upon them today. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we identify it, we then gain our supernatural strength from the word, from prayer, from the spirit of God to make the change by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you and we call it done in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comment section and shout, it's done wherever you're at. Freak somebody out next to you at work. It's done. <laughs> what do you think, Carolyn? Is it done? Yes, it's done, Dad. It's absolutely done. Um, Car Carolyn will really be here tomorrow. She'll actually be here for part two and part three. And I want to hear all her input. I want to hear what she has to say because she's going to have uh, great thoughts on this um, because and, and a different perspective, obviously. Men are built differently than women, no matter what they're trying to tell you in our current generation. Boys have wee-wees. Girls have hoo-hahs. It's different. It doesn't matter how many surgeries you get. You're still a man. You're still a woman. You've just messed with your body. It's just true. And so it's, uh, it's something you have to recognize. I'm going to only be able to give you so much from the man's perspective. Carolyn will give you more from the women's perspective. But both are important. Both are important. Um, women, and this is not in any way... Um, a chauvinistic thing. It's just, it's just the way that God created us in our minds and our, in our makeup. Um, women can be more emotionally driven in their decisions and their thinking, uh, all those things where men are different than that. You know, men can get in a fight with each other. This is so funny to me. Men can get in a fight and an argument with each other, yell, scream, sometimes duke it out. And then literally an hour later, go to the ball game together. <laughs> Like in all honesty, we get it out and it's done. And then we're back to being buddies again. Women, it can last and last and last. Underhanded comments, backdoor compliments. I mean, all, 
you know, and then it builds up and then there's clickiness. It's just a whole different ball game. You know, I, I was not prepared. I had girls first, girls first, two daughters, sweet little personalities. So when my son came, I was not prepared for that personality. I had to learn it. You know, girls are so soft and they're so uh, sweet. And so, and then my son just comes in the room with a full force and punches you in the stomach for no reason. It's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. So I'm glad Carolyn's going to be on uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. It's going to add a lot to the conversation. Of course, not just that, but spiritual wisdom. And uh, it's going to be great. So you don't want to miss tomorrow and Wednesday for the final two parts of this series that we're doing entitled Relationships That Don't Make You Want to Slap Somebody, which is something you definitely want in your life. Uh, it's going to be good. So tomorrow at 1030 and also Wednesday, 1030 a.m. Uproar starts on Thursday night. We're going to be in New York for the Uproar Conference. If you need uh, any information, theuproar.org, theuproar.org. You don't want to miss this. If you can get there, it's a free conference for your young people. Anybody can attend. It's going to be powerful, great, powerful speakers and worship and performances. Uh, it's going to be really good. I'm very excited. This is our 10th year, 10th year at Uproar. And uh, it's, it's amazing to see young people so hungry for God. Uh, don't care what people think of them, what they look like. They dance till they're sweaty in the Holy Ghost. Power God moves. It's going to be great. Um, it's going to be awesome. Let me take a moment here at the end of this broadcast. Uh, if you missed it, Tomball, Texas was a powerful, powerful meeting. Uh, I've got videos on Instagram. You can go back and watch the updates, the videos. We had one man. Maybe you saw. Thank you, Sean. Maybe you saw the one man that was delivered. We took pictures of his cigarettes on the altar, all that. I broke every one of them in half. Um, he, I, I didn't even ask people. To, he just came down during the ministry. Power God moved on him. He got out of his seat, took three boxes of cigarettes, came down to the altar and just set them on the altar, crying, went back to see God delivered him. God delivered him. He came back and gave this testimony, which we're going to post the video of that. Get ready for this. He had smoked three packs of cigarettes a day for 26 years, 26 years. God delivered him, put his packs on the altar, came back. And then he gave me the testimony at the end of the revival. He said, not only did I give it and God gave me deliverance. He said, I haven't touched a cigarette in three days. Let me tell you what kind of a miracle that is. If you've been smoking three packs for 26 years, hasn't touched a cigarette in three days, supernatural woman got healed from COPD. She could not even walk around without her oxygen on. She told me and she told everybody there if I'm fine, if I'm sitting, but if I have to stand or if I have to walk, I need my oxygen in. She had COPD. God touched her that night. She took her oxygen tubes out and I had her walk around the whole church with me, walk around the whole church, didn't need the oxygen, came back the next night with no oxygen, praised through the whole service, came back the final night, no oxygen. Well, she came back on the last night when her husband at home, who hadn't been, I don't think back to church in, I think three, three years, over three years, when he saw that miracle, it so moved him and humbled him that he came to church that final night. And when we gave the altar call, came to the altar, gave his heart to Jesus Christ and was hugging the pastor at the altar before we left. 
God's power is moving. God's power is moving. You're a part of that as the victory tribe. I want, I'm telling you these stories because I want you to know what you are a part of. And that's why we encourage you. Those of you that are partnering with us, thank you. But there's people that are watching right now that the Lord's speaking to you to sow a seed and to partner with this ministry. And we want you to stand with us in partnership. I see many of our partners watching and commenting, but I want to encourage you. The Lord's been moving on you to stand with me and with Carolyn and with the team in partnership on a monthly basis. So how can I do that? Go to miracleword.com, click the partner page and sign up today. You know all the things we're doing, feeding children, preaching the gospel around the world on TV, live crusades, media every day, everything we can do. But I need those of you that the Lord's speaking to you to stand with us. We're expanding. It's gonna be, we're getting ready to expand to 39 million more people coming up. We want you to be a part of what God's doing. We pray for you every single week by name. Those of you that are partnered with this ministry, we're standing with you as you're standing with us. And so let me encourage you right now to go to miracleword.com and to click partner and sign up on a monthly basis. Ask yourself, what can I do? Partnership begins at $85 a month. So what can I do on a monthly basis to be in partnership? Start at the, at least $85 a month. Maybe you're not at the level where you can partner. Maybe you say, I can't be a partner yet, but I could sow $50 a month. I could sow $35 a month. And you can, I believe by faith, you can move up to that partnership level. God will do it. He's done it for others. He'll do it for you. And so we want you to say, Lord, what can I do by faith to stand with them every month? Maybe it'll be $100 a month. Maybe as others are doing, you can partner at $500 a month or $700 a month, $1,000 a month. Whatever it is you can do, do it by faith. Watch what the Lord will do. I'm telling you, Diane said, I finally partnered today. Hopefully, we absolutely got it, Diane, and we say thank you. Yanil's a partner. I see other partners that are on, that are commenting right now. And so we love you. Uh, For those that are partnering in the month of July, we've got a book coming to you. It's our gift to you as well. And if you already have this book, you can also just uh, click the drop down. We have other options, but it's this book, uh, John G. Lake on healing, had a powerful healing ministry. And listen to me, if you want to receive this, you've got to go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Fill out the form so we know that you want it. We'll send it to you and you'll get it. We love you too, Christina. And then of course, as people are partnering, those that are at the place where they've sown $1,000, this life application study Bible is in genuine leather. I'm going to sign it along with the book and send it to you. It's our gift for those that have reached the $1,000 level of partnership. And so this is our gift to you. Now, we wanted a way to say thank you for those that are sowing largely. We have people that stand with us at you know, $15,000, $10,000, $5,000, large amounts. And so we wanted a way to say thank you for those that are stepping up big to sow and believe. And so we created something called the Elite Study Collection. And um, do you have a slide of that to show them? I'd like them to see. The Elite Study Collection is something, I believe these are the very best Bible study tools that are available to the believer. We've put them in a custom keepsake box And uh, we've made this customized for you, five tools uh, along with the box and everything that we're sending you inside to really boost your devotional time. It's going to take you to the next level. Over 100,000 notes on the Bible 
We're sending you over a hundred thousand notes on the Bible. Thank you, Norman. It'll bless you. And so we say thank you to those that are standing with us. Um, a couple of things once again, love you, Luenda. Love you guys a lot. Um, we've got different meetings coming up. We want you to be a part of our live meetings as the Victory Tribe. It's been so awesome to have people driving in from all over the place. You know, in, in Texas, we had people drive in from four hours and more, six hours to be a part of those meetings. Uh, we've had people drive into all these meetings this year. We love seeing you in the live services. If you'd like to know where we're gonna be, when we're gonna be close to you, go to miracleword.com and click on the schedule page. All of our confirmed services, meetings, revivals are right there. And uh, we'd love to have you at any one of these. They're all great. God's moving powerfully in all of these meetings and you'll get a touch as well. We wanna see you. Our new magazine has shipped. And if you don't receive this magazine, we'd like you to get it because we get all of our most current information, everything like that's all there. And uh, we'll send it to you quarterly, absolutely free. This issue, Blind Guides, I write an article about how spiritual leaders have lied to an entire generation about the Holy Ghost. You don't want to miss it. Go to that website, miracleword.com forward slash live, sign up, get the magazine, and uh, we want to stay connected with you. Finally, let me say this. Uh, we really, really want to be connected with you. And I, by we, I mean me, because I'm the one that sends them and gets your messages by text message. I want to be able to contact you via text message. We've got things that are going out. I just revealed the Victory Tribe logo uh, to everybody that is uh, connected with tech by text message and what we're going to be doing for upcoming merch. All that stuff is going to come to you first via text. Hear me. When we get ready to do, and we are getting ready to do a, a Victory Tribe merch drop, um, and some of it's going to be limited edition content, all the people on the text family are going to get that information first. They're going to get what it is, when it's coming out, uh, all of that, it's coming to the text first. So if you want to be on the inside and get all the information first and firsthand, sign up, miracleword.com forward slash text, because we got some sick looking stuff coming out and uh, it's coming to these people first because also let me say this, it helps because you can text me, I can text you, I can get your prayer requests, we can stay connected. Um, it's just the best way because the algorithms on social media change so often, you may not see our posts, you may not see our Facebook, Instagram, whatever else, but all the important stuff comes directly to you. I promise I'm not gonna blow up your phone all the time, just some of the time, no, I'm kidding. But it'll, it, it'll help and we wanna be able to stay connected with you. Also, we've got a big announcement tomorrow. Carolyn and I are going to talk about it tomorrow. Big announcement uh, for the Victory Tribe. You're gonna to wanna to hear it, so don't miss it. Tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. I love you guys so much. Thanks for those that are giving. Listen, put the, if you put the thing back up, those that are giving, if you're just sowing a one-time seed, there's multiple ways you can sow. You can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. You can use Zelle, hashtag donate. Maybe, the, maybe you feel to sow a one-time seed. Do that. Do what the Lord's speaking to you to do. You'll be blessed. We love you so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. We'll be back tomorrow and Wednesday with Carolyn. It's going to be awesome. Be blessed. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.